Hi folks, thanks for joining us today. My name is Matt and if you are following along with the Thrive Bible Reading Guide, which I encourage you to do, it's a great way of getting into a rhythm of life that includes God's Word and it's a, bit of, it's a tool that can help you, uh, help guide you through God's Word. And if you have been reading this, you will be starting to read the book of Judges in the Old Testament. Last month, we were looking at the book of Joshua, some of the stories in the first part of the book of Joshua. Now, over the next few weeks, we're going to do something a little bit different in this context. Rather than focus on the specific stories in the book of Judges, we're going to do a series which is really a response to the main theme of the book of Judges. The book tells the story of the next generation of Israelites who had inherited the land of Canaan and who go into that territory, and of course it's not, they don't inherit as much as they should, ha should have, and it tells of their compromises with the culture and religions of Canaan. It tells how they kept getting drawn into the mindsets and the lifestyles of those people and therefore drawn away from the life that God was calling them to lead. They were like sailors, to use a nautical example, they were like sailors who took down the sails, threw away uh, the maps, and just let themselves drift with the currents until they got shipwrecked. But overall, the book of Judges is a book of good news because what we see again and again, this is the remarkable thing about the book of Judges, is that no matter how far they went, no matter how wrong the people of Israel went, God was always willing to save them and bring them back to him. So in this series, we're going to ask the question, what are some of the main currents in our culture that draw us away from living the lives that God wants us to live? The Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, with the warning, I think, of the book of Judges in his mind, warns us of being drawn into the patterns of this world. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I've always liked Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of this verse in The Message which is a kind of paraphrased Bible. This is what he says. This is his paraphrase of Romans 12, verse 2. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Today, I want to address an aspect of our culture that I believe we invariably do become too well-adjusted to and that we tend to fit ourselves into without really thinking about it. Our society is characterized not by any particular set of religions like that of ancient Canaan. It's characterized more by either skepticism or just complacency. That is when it comes to issues of the spiritual dimension of life. So we live in what is often referred to as a secular culture. Now that doesn't just mean that God and religion have been excluded from public life. It's actually much deeper than that. What has happened is that a whole dimension of life 
has been gradually excluded from the lives of most people living in our culture. Even people who have certain religious beliefs nevertheless tend to live their lives in ways that largely exclude this spiritual dimension precisely because our culture has a way of squeezing these things out, of squeezing this dimension out. To give you a picture of this, I'm going to use an allegory from a classic late 19th century novel by Edwin A. Abbott. It's a classic piece of English literature and it's called Flatland. Now, it's actually been adapted into animated feature films a couple of times. And of course, these come with their own skewed interpretation uh, of the novel. A lot of interpretations of this novel tend not, I think, to quite grasp the point and the challenge of the book. Edwin Abbott was actually a strong Christian who I think was challenging the growing spiritual shallowness of his then late Victorian society. Now, if the novel was poignant, it was a poignant description of society then, it is many more times so now. Actually, amazes me that this book isn't more well-known uh, in Christian circles. So if you're looking for a good read, uh, it's called Flatland by Edwin Abbott. Anyway, let me tell you the story of Flatland. Abbott describes from the point of view of one of his characters, uh, who is a square, a two-dimensional world where two-dimensional geometric figures live their lives on a flat two-dimensional plane, hence the main character is a square. Let me read the first paragraph of the novel. I call our world flatland, not because we call it so, but to make its nature clearer to you, my happy readers, who are privileged to live in space. Imagine a vast sheet of paper on which straight lines, triangles, squares, pentagons, hexagons and other figures, instead of remaining fixed in their places, move freely about on or in the surface, but without the power of rising above or sinking below it, very much like shadows, only hard and with luminous edges. And you will then have a pretty current, correct notion of my country and countrymen. Alas, a few years ago, I should have said my universe, but now, says Mr. Square, but now my mind has been opened to a higher view of things. Well, the novel goes on to describe the very complex flatland society in which people are given class designations based on the number of sides that each figure has. So the triangle is at the bottom of society and then uh, the octagon is up near the top somewhere. And of course, uh, the circle is the highest of all. And of course, they don't see themselves from above as we would see a flat page. They can't rise above or sink below their flat plane. So they see each other only as lines and they rec recognize each other and kind of judge each other by their angles. Now, the novel is at first a kind of parody of the hyper-class consciousness of late Victorian society. And it all feels very shallow and pointless that one figure is seen as greater than another just because of their angles, just because of their shapes. But all of this class scaling in those two dimensions is spectacularly interrupted one day 
by the appearance to the main character, Mr. Square, of a three-dimensional figure, a sphere. Now, the sphere intersects into Flatland in a way that baffles Mr. Square, who continues to perceive the sphere within his two dimensions. So, you know, he sees the sphere start as a point and then becomes a vacillating circle that grows and diminishes to a point as the sphere is moving in and out of his two dimensions. Mr. Square, he just doesn't have the capacity to understand how this can be because he's unable to, to and he's unaccustomed to thinking of reality outside of his two dimensions. Now, the sphere tries to explain the existence of this third dimension, what he calls spaceland to Mr. Square, but again, he just can't get his mind around this. So eventually, the sphere lifts Mr. Square out of flatland and in to spaceland, where he, with amazement, looks at flatland from a completely new perspective. He sees it as though from above, it's something of a spiritual awakening that makes all of the most impressive flatland dignity look completely, well, flat. Now, after this vision, Mr. Square goes back to Flatland where he tries to convince his fellow Flatlanders of the existence of Spaceland. He preaches the gospel of Spaceland. It's Abbott's allusion to the gospel of the kingdom of God preached by Jesus. But of course, they're not only incredulous, they are actually hostile to his assertions. And eventually the preaching of the third dimension is outlawed as an offence to flatland culture. Well, the book is, it's really quite profound and, uh, and even prophetic in a sense, I think. It's interesting to note too that Abbott was writing this in what we might call a Christian society, but possibly observing that it had nevertheless lost sight, in effect, of a whole dimension of existence. People, even those who called themselves Christians, were nevertheless living in flatland, living two-dimensional lives. It is in some ways, this book, the same kind of indictment that the book of Judges serves out. It's diagnosing a cultural drift that looked to Abbott like a flattening of reality to only two dimensions. It's not so much that we step aside into another religion as much as the fact that we block out this whole spiritual dimension. As I said, if this was relevant in late 19th century society, how much more so for now? I think it's a wonderful allegory because we live in flatland. We live in a secular culture that is rigged in so many ways, that is rigged as to condition you out of any sensitivity or awareness of the spiritual dimension to life. It compresses life down to two dimensions, squeezes space and time into a flat experiential plane. And it leaves us feeling flat because we retain the intuition and even the yearning for something greater 
But of course, because that can't be quantified and verified within the space-time logic of flatland, we just try to satisfy that yearning with more and more flat living. And the more you live your life within the constraints of flatland, the less room you leave for your world to expand. Now, I'm going to say more about that in a moment. But first, let me add something here for all of the overthinkers out there. I'm calling people overthinkers who believe that they can fathom and solve the ultimate mysteries of existence simply by thinking about it. Now, I know you because I have a very strong tendency to be one of you. And I have to stop myself from trying to do that. One of the biggest mistakes many people make is to believe that they can think their way into ultimate truth. Now, of course, it's important to learn to think critically and rationally. I'm not undervaluing the importance of thinking critically here, but as the mathematician and philosopher Blaise Pascal said, reason's last step is the recognition that there are an infinite number of things which are beyond it. There are some things that you won't be able to work out in your mind, but you can still engage with those things and discover those things experientially. The great doctrines of the Christian faith are vital doorways into this experience, but they point to something ultimately mysterious. They are, in a sense, we could describe the great doctrines of the Christian faith as like two, a two-dimensional render of a three-dimensional reality. It's like a two-dimensional gateway to a three-dimensional experience, reality. So it makes sense it makes sense, therefore, that it should not always make sense. That's a little esoteric, but this is for all the overthinkers out there. It makes sense that it should not always make sense. The problem is that we overthinkers always feel like we need to work it out and find it to be believable before we trust and actually step through the gateway, which is the only way to discover the truth of it. And so we entrap ourselves in flatland. The big issue for many people, actually, who profess to be Christians is that they profess belief in the doctrines but continue to live two-dimensional lives in flatland. And then they wonder why God seems so remote. Now, maybe this is you. As I said, the more you live your life within the constraints of flatland, the less room you leave for your world and experience to expand and contain more. Well, I want to tell you today that God wants to expand your world. He wants you to step into a greater space and live in His presence. You see, God will not fit himself into flatland. Rather, he is calling you out of flatland. He wants to save us from our flat lives. In a sense, the coming of Christ was something like the appearance of the sphere to Mr. Square in flatland. 
Jesus brought a whole other dimension of reality to people who often couldn't fathom his teaching or how he could do what he did. You see, he was coming to expand our world. God wants to save us from flatland. And this isn't just a matter of one initial revelation. More than that, it's a process. The process is something like blowing up a very flat ball. You need God to breathe into you continually so that you expand and so that your experience begins to break out of the bounds of flatland. As God inflates you, so your reality expands. So I want to talk in the time that's remaining about what will inflate our experience with this whole other dimension, but also, and initially, I want to talk about what, is, what will deflate our experience. Let's start with that. You see, flatland leaves no room for God or anything of the spiritual dimension. Flatland flattens everyone so that everyone fits in flatland. We end up a little bit like pressed flowers. I don't know if you've ever seen pressed flowers before. You may have uh, seen this. You know, people maybe get a really big book and they take very beautiful uh, flowers and they put them in the book and then they pile books up and, and gradually, and, and they leave it there for long periods of time and gradually all it sucks all the moisture uh, out, of the, uh, out of the flowers and they end up completely flat. So they, f- they fit into a two-dimensional space. You can actually get uh, these devices with two bits of wood and cardboard in between. You put the flowers in and they have screws and you screw it down and it exerts pressure on the flowers and you just leave it for ages with the pressure on the flowers and it gradually squeezes the life out of the flower and makes them flat. Well, our culture will flatten you like that if you're not intentional about going the other direction. And here's how. It doesn't happen in an instant. It happens gradually as a result of constant pressure as when pressing flowers. Only after a long time is all the life and moisture gone and you fit nicely within a two-dimensional space. It happens as we're drawn into seeking two-dimensional goals, success, recognition, status. It's the pressure. It's the pressure to succeed, to gain your own validation, to be recognised, to win, to be better than those, those other people or just to keep up with the crowd. It's the pressure to build a better lifestyle, to make more money, to get better things. It happens when we fill our time with two dimensional activities. I mean, not that they're even necessarily wrong, but if if we just fill our time with that, there's a kind of pressure with two dimensional agendas. It happens as our imaginations are flattened into the shape of what we endlessly watch on TV and into the shape of the way that we present ourselves in social media. It happens when every conversation you have is of a two-dimensional nature. It's when you say, I'm too busy for anything else, driving the kids around and making ends meet. But then all that you're doing is just driving yourself and your family into a state of flatness. I wonder if you feel like you have driven yourself into a state of flatness. 
Have the pressures of life flattened you? Maybe you've spent all your energy trying to fit in to a flat world. Well, God wants to save you from that. God can bring you back to shape. And here's how. The answer actually is the same answer that God gave to the Israelites back before they went into the land to stop them from being conformed to the patterns of that world. It's what they should have done, but they didn't do. And so instead, they got squeezed into the shape of that world. There were regular practices that God enjoined to his people that were to be crucial counteractions to the cultural pressures that they would face. And of course, these instructions fill the pages of the book of Deuteronomy, the law of Moses there. And that comes in both the negative, in the negative and the positive commands. We need to remember both sorts. In the negative sense, the command was basically, in summary, the commands were basically saying, cease those behaviors and get rid of those things in your life that compress you and your reality into the wrong shape. I'm going to say that again. Cease those behaviors and get rid of those things in your life that compress you and your reality into the wrong shape. And then positively, practice those spiritual disciplines that expand your life into the right shape. God commanded them and us to observe regular sacred rhythms of life. This is so important, particularly for today. He commanded them, Observe regular sacred rhythms of life. Create sacred times and spaces to preserve that vital third dimension of life. Remember God together regularly. Gather regularly to hear God's word, to pray and to worship. But isn't it true that these are often the first things to get squeezed out of our lives from the pressures of life in this world? The priorities of flatland, of fitting into our flat world, squeeze these vital practices out. These sacred moments, these things that we do, it's like opening windows to a greater reality. We need to keep going back to those windows to allow the fresh wind of God to breathe into us again, to expand our flattened souls. It's like, you know, prisoners in a, who spend all of their lives in a prison, but every now and again, for a couple of hours a day, they're let out into a courtyard where they get to breathe fresh air and see a blue sky that reminds them that the world is bigger than their prison. I feel like sometimes we need that reminder as broken people living in a broken world. There is a greater reality that we are called up to. And that will liberate us. This is what the spiritual disciplines are all about. Prayer, 
reading scripture, solitude, waiting on God in silence, worship, all of these things, much better to do together. I say that as a classic recluse. There's a, there's a you know, I can be so reclusive, but I have, I have recognized the power of doing these things with other people. It has a particularly powerful way of pulling me into the right shape. These practices, they keep this third dimension open. They prevent your life from being flattened. So many of you may be really disciplined when it comes to exercise. You know, you'll go out there and you'll keep really fit physically and yet be content to live with a flattened soul. We need to apply some of that discipline to create spiritual rhythms of life for you and your family. And listen, whether you do this individually or corporately, don't just give up because you don't instantaneously feel inflated by a worship or prayer experience. I wonder if you've ever blown up one of those big dinghies. I remember once uh, blowing up uh, a big inflatable dinghy with one of those foot pumps, you know, and I'm pushing this pump. And for a long time, it just did not feel like anything was happening. The dinghy was just sitting there flat. But you see, I had to keep at it and I kept the rhythm. I kept the rhythm. And eventually, the dinghy was brought into the right shape. In the same way, folks, we need to persevere Keep those patterns of life, those sacred rhythms of life that will get us into the right shape as God uses those things to breathe into us. I know what it's like to continually feel deflated, but I also know what it's like. I also know what it's like to expand my reality, to have my soul expand and float and burst out of this flat existence. And the view is amazing. The view from spaceland, the view from the third dimension is amazing. But I get so, I get so frustrated with myself because I constantly let things flatten me again. But you see, I know what I need to do. God will, as, as we see in the book of Judges, God will always save us from that. He is always available when we turn back to Him. And so I regularly go back to God's Word, waiting in stillness on God, meeting for prayer and worship with God's people. And if I persevere, then I start to take the shape that God wants me to have and my reality expands. Listen, I'm calling all Flatlanders, there is a bigger reality. Let's be a three-dimensional people living in a two-dimensional world. A spiritual people in a materialistic world. That's going to have an impact, folks, on the people around us. Have that dimension to your life that can't be explained or rationalized, but can be experienced. And people will experience that through you because they will sense with the hunger within them and the yearning, they will sense that there is another dimension to this person's life. And you will become a window for them to that dimension. Let's be three-dimensional people living in a two-dimensional world.
may God breathe into your soul afresh today.